take me right back to the trap. Jack, choose Batter up. Hear that call. The time has come for one and all to listen to the A League of Their Own Recap podcast. I'm your host, Carolyn Bergier. And for those of you who don't know me, I'm a New York-based writer and comedian, and I'm also the creator and co-host of the Diking Out podcast. But most importantly, I am a huge fan of the movie A League of Their Own, and I wanted to go deep into this new series out now on Prime Video. Please subscribe so that you'll get all of the episodes, because in addition to my recaps, my goal is to have interviews related to the movie, the show, and maybe the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. Today, I'm going to be recapping episode one titled Batter Up. It's directed by the talented Jamie Babbitt and written by Will Graham and, of course, Abby Jacobson. Joining me for this episode is the creator and host of one of my favorite podcasts, Hot Takes and Deep Dives. Coming up to the plate, let's welcome Jess Rothschild. Jess, I'm so excited to have you here to talk about this first episode of A League of Their Own, the new series on Prime Video. How are you doing? (laughs) Do you have a lot of thoughts? This is the gayest thing that I will do this week. Yeah. Because immediately (laughs) after this, we're going to your little fair karaoke event. Yes. And so this is a real doubleheader, no pun intended. Oh, get ready for puns. Gay things for me. (laughs) Um. I'm so psyched that you're starting this and I'm just, I'm honored to be recapping the pilot. Well, I thought about you for this because of our mutual love of Rosie O'Donnell and Madonna, which leads me to my first question for you. What is your relationship to the 1992 Penny Marshall film, A League of Their Own? Saw it in the theater. I was 10 years old. Oh, my God. At the height of my Madonna obsession. It was forming. Like, the obsession was forming. Yeah. And I definitely... Yeah, so it was rooted in Madonna. And, of course, I loved Rosie. Like, from... Because this was also the height of her film career. Right. So she was coming off... Or maybe she did... Yes, maybe she already or didn't have... What's the movie with Meg Ryan? Sleepless in Seattle. Sleepless in Seattle, the Flintstones. And this was like her third, like her hat trick of she was in the number one movies of the summer three years in a row. So that was how I was first introduced to Rosie, obviously, like pre-talk show. Right. And as far as Madonna, like this was hovering around the time that I was introduced to Madonna. Yeah. Um, Because at this point, this was like right around the erotica era. Yeah. So this came out. After Dick Tracy. Wow. So she was at the absolute peak of worldwide fame. Yes. And I know that Truth or Dare had... Am I am I too deep in the Madonna? Are, you, are my eyes too intense? <laughs> I mean, I knew this was going to happen. So I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. And we'll get into yeah. the comparisons later. But totally obsessed with Madonna at this time. I was like reading books about Madonna. My mom's best friend gave me the cassette tape for the erotica album wow around this time um bedtime stories was not yet out but truth or dare was out and i know that that was initially why rosie felt that she would have this she sort of felt that their friendship was a little bit preordained because in the movie you know Madonna like very much goes into detail about how the death of her mother like affected her so they they have this shared lived experience like losing their mothers as children this has nothing to do with the league of their own but Penny Marshall 
said to Rosie, like famously, like, oh, if you can make her laugh, she'll do my movie. Yeah. And she did. And yes. that's it. So yes. obviously obsessed. Obviously, I still have the cassette tape for This Used to Be My Playground, et cetera, et cetera. That song was like so big. I mean, for me, I loved it. It was also around the time where, yes, my I had like become a full-fledged uh, Madonna fan at that point. And I was seven, I guess, when, when this came out. For me also, Gina Davis was like the most beautiful woman I'd ever seen. Yes. So watching that, I was just drawn to her. Also, her character's name is Dottie. And my mom's name is Dottie. And oh. there was, you know, there aren't that many characters. It's like Golden Girls, Dorothy, you know, but you don't yeah. have a lot of that in pop culture. So like here was like this glam woman that like kind of reminded me of my mom a little bit. And then Kit, who to me was a queer icon, just I and I was like a little sister. My sister and I both played softball. Um, my older sister was better at softball, but I was kind of the scrappy, like, come on, like, let, let me play too, you know? So related hard to that, but like years later, looking back, being like, of course I related to Kit. Obviously she's gay, <laughs> which I still think Lori Petty is gay. And I did ask Rosie O'Donnell about that when I interviewed her on Diking Out. And she's like, yeah, I kind of assumed, but she was dating a guy at the time. She was dating a male comedian when but they were she, filming. She's got to be out now. She's not out but i'm st i'm working on it i'm working on trying to talk to her <laughs> you're, you're working, working on outing on, her on, on outing her on converting her whatever whatever it takes i will do the work no um we're not here to out people but i um yeah i, I love the movie for all those reasons and more and i was so nervous about this series coming back i i've been through like a, a cycle of emotions like when it was announced that Abby Jacobson was bringing this back. I it was just like jealousy. Like I was just like, mm. oh, that's not like like I was happy for her and I was excited, but I'm also like, damn it, like why wasn't it me? Yeah, but I knew like I I wasn't at a point in my career where somebody's gonna um you know let me reboot a league of their own or anything <laughs> like that. And I'm still not. I'm doing a recap podcast here. <laughs> what is your relationship to Abby Jacobson? So Abby Jacobson, I used to uh, go to UCB. Um, it was a little bit after she had already kind of been established on this scene there. So I was kind of like an era of UCB below her, but I would go to Broad City shows mm -hmm. at UCB uh, before the show came out on Comedy Central, but they had already been in development. So I was like a fan of the web series and there's all these UCB people. Yeah. Well, isn't Darcy Carden a UCBer? Yes. Like they, they're, they've been close since UCB did. Yes, yes. Yeah. So Darcy, uh, I definitely used to see her a lot, perform a lot and was always just so talented, so funny. Uh, Abby and Alana basically just did their show and they would have on guests like Vanessa Bayer, Kate McKinnon would come and do bits. It was such a fun show. So funny. Huge fan of Broad City. I've written like a Broad City um, spec. Alana Glazer was on um, a recent, on our Memorial Day comedy show that we do at Stonewall. Yeah. Such a sweet human. Uh, and Can I say something very quickly about of course. Alana Glazer? Yeah. Currently filming. So I live in Manhattan 
And they are currently filming on the streets right around my neighborhood in the village. Yeah. They're filming um, a movie that she, I, I don't know if she's directing it or, or she just wrote it, but it's called, right now it's like the Untitled Pregnancy Project. Okay. And Sandra Bernhard just filmed her scenes for it. Oh, wow. All of her scenes are with Michelle Buteau. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Oh, love Michelle. Uh, so funny. It's all coming around. Won't Sandra do my podcast, Bernhard. but I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> This is going to be a laundry list of people who won't do our show. Right. So Abby Jacobson won't do Diking Out, my other podcast. And was it a hard no? Um, I think it was like a no, not at this time. It was probably like a polite rejection at the time. And then she changed assistance. But I was trying to get in on this, a league of their own thing well in advance. I've been anticipating this since the announcement and I haven't been able to to line it up but that's fine you know it's just not it's just not the time yet but we have uh on diking out interviewed people who um are involved with the show so like jamie babbitt who directed this first episode um michelle badio who wrote episode four um who we will hear more from in a future episode uh but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just like such a nerd for this movie. Did you watch any of the original TV series that came after the show? No. So it was made into a TV series after the success of the movie, and it was very short-lived. Wait, this is brand new information to me. Okay. This is breaking news to me. Okay. Wait, go deeper. What, it was, what network was this on? So A League of Their Own in 1993, so a year after the movie came out, aired on CBS, and they had um, Sam McMurray, and from the original movie, the only people who were in it were Megan Kavanaugh, uh-huh. Tracy Reiner, who is Penny Marshall's daughter, and Freddie Simpson came back with their, their roles, and... They had someone out. They had different people. So uh, Carrie Lowell played Dottie Hinson. They had someone out. Like they had Jimmy Dugan, but it obviously wasn't Tom Hanks. They had a a kit, and there were only five episodes. They shot six, and the sixth one was never aired. aired. Wow! I remember watching it. Now I was a kid, so I, I don't remember anything. I just remembered that Gina Davis and Lori Petty weren't in it. So I wasn't too upset that it got canceled, I guess. It just wasn't. I have no memory of this. Okay. I remember, I mean, because I loved Marla Hooch as a character. So I remember Megan Kavanaugh being in it. And then, yeah, no, nobody's touched it. So with this series, I was like, what are they going to do? And I knew that they were going to explore stories of like black women who played and, and all that stuff. And um, which I was a little bit nervous about that because I was like... I hope they do this well, because I feel like there could be a way of doing it that feels too like heavy handed or trying to make amends the way that like the L word Gen Q tries to make up for yeah, the but sense this is, of the but original But this is based L-word. on a historical thing. But they, this is based, not going to. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So this show has done the work. It's done the research. Everything I've read so far about um, Abby Jacobson and her approach to it has been incredible. Everybody seems to have like loved working with her and that she really wanted to tell all of these stories and really makes the case for why the series should exist. And I think the pilot episode is um, a great example of that. I think it makes the case. I think it does as well. 
Yes. I, yeah, we, when, okay. when I came in here, you were like, so what do you think? I'm like, I'll tell you on air. Okay. I absolutely loved it. I loved it. It exceeded my expectations. Me too. Mostly because I had no expectations. So frankly, I probably would, I mean, of course I follow Abby on Instagram and I see right. that she's promoting the hell out of it. I see yeah. Darcy Carden. The cast are seem to be really tight knit and yep. they're all promoting it. But aside from that, had I not had a homework assignment to watch <laughs> the first episode, I probably wouldn't have watched it at 10 a.m. the day it dropped. Right. Because we were going to record this. Right. You know, you know, so I went into this with like no expectations. Yeah. Aside from the fact that like I love Abby Jacobson and yes. like let's see what they're doing here. So I really loved like certain elements that they kept from the movie. Um, they're, they're obviously not doing like straw parallels to like characters. These are like brand new characters. There's like some overlap. Like you can. Yeah. But you can't really map characters on like there's no sisters in the show right right but yet they're not trying to oh yet oh i don't know i don't know anything but oh. yeah that that is like you know the first movie is really about this relationship between sister i mean it's about a lot of things but the the sister relationship so not having that at all and having abby's character carson kind of like fly solo is yeah. like a big difference but yeah i would say like they there are enough kind of i don't know like easter eggs from the original but without it being like oh they're just like recreating well there are a this. few scenes that they like really re like there were a few oh, sequences sure. that were absolute like nods to the original film but i don't yes. think that's going to continue i think they got that all out of the way in the pilot like right. i'm thinking specifically of the swing dance scene which is like the famous scene with madonna you yep. know uh, all the yeah. way in may like you know you just see like the pure joy right you know and it really it's by far madonna's best film performance i mean sh she's obviously amazing in evita but like this was her most critically acclaimed i think film yeah for performance like such a beautiful I, I would yeah. say, yeah, she nailed it. Like, no notes on Madonna's and performance. The, you know what's hilarious? I was Googling, like, some reviews today, and they all say the Madonna film, A League of Their Own. Like, they're not even saying Gina Davis. They're right. I'm like, Madonna was out to star of this movie? Right, right. I just found that to be funny. But she stole the show. And yeah. um, let's start at the top. In the beginning, talk about um, paying a homage a little bit to the original film it starts with carson who's uh abby jacobson's character it carson starts Shaw. with gina davis chasing a train yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. i mean they are they are literally recreating the most iconic scenes from right. the movie right um but it's fun and it's great for for this because abby jacobson the here's the thing about carson as a character and when i saw the previews for the series I was a little bit like like can you know can Abby Jacobson fill like these Gina Davis size footsteps and we know Gina Davis is a tall woman she's got big feet probably uh can, can she do it and they do a great job of making this character very much one that's kind of like close into what Abby plays without feeling like this is Abby from Broad City. But it, it plays to her strengths in terms of like her kind of way at delivering jokes, her ability for physical comedy, um, the kind of like silliness, awkwardness to her, but then also like lets her be like serious and vulnerable in a way that obviously she couldn't in, in Broad City. So I think that that was a very smart 
way to write the character. I felt like I feel like it's playing to some of the more dramatic moments in Broad City. Like you, you some things I'm like, oh, I remember. Like she did have this. There was depth to the Abby character. Oh, for sure. Like probably more so than Alana, who really was just like a cartoon in a way. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. Um, can I just ask you one thing? Yeah. Do you re- this? This is the last of like my Abby Jacobs things. I really do love her. Yeah. Do you remember where you were when you found out that she was dating Carrie Brownstein? Ah. Uh, <laughs> um. In my bed with my vibrator. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I I don't remember. But I mean, I, you know, I bought her book just to read. Oh, my God. The Goss. She literally wrote a book based on like their, she took like a road trip post breakup to like deal with it. And then the power of Carrie Brownstein. Where were you when you found that out? I was deep in a text in a group text. That's basically like the text version of like L chat. Yeah, I was among my say, friends. Are you the Alice? Did you break the news? You sent out a mass text. I mean, to every I am the Alice of the. <laughs> right. Yeah. Me too. Me too. I get the urge. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's an episode of Diking Out where I talk about it very enthusiastically. So yeah, she gets on the train. There's the that little perfectly cast kid telling Carson that she looks crazy. crazy. Yeah. yeah. Which is a, you know, reminds me of, um, what's the, um, sweetheart. No. Oh yeah. That was the little boy. Yeah. 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 You're gonna live. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) so I don't know. Just like so many fun jokes right from the get go. And I don't know if you know this about the series. It was originally written as a half hour comedy and then they scrapped it. And they got brought in a new writer's room and wrote it as a dramedy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, it were, it's much. How could this be a comedy? I mean, it's going to be tackling some like very serious themes. Right. I mean, I think maybe they must have realized that yeah. in doing it. Another interesting thing is the, you know, the original, the original, the actual league was yeah. Wrigley. It was. Mr. Wrigley of Wrigley Mm -hmm. Gum, who was funding this. In the movie, it was Mr. Harvey. And now this is Mr. Baker (laughs) in Bakersfield. I just think it's funny that they change, like, do they not have the rights to say Mr. Wrigley? Or (laughs) what's what's going on? But yeah, yeah, interesting, like, how the, the big concern that they focus on is how not feminine these women are well that was a thread in the in the original movie as well it was they make them go through the like the whole charm school type thing and all those classes but this one seems like even more obsessed with it like even like look at the size of their calves like yeah because they're eventually well first of all i mean we could have there is the whole like tomboy conversation and how that word is no longer really part of the vernacular i mean i i'll still occasionally say it yeah but I feel like that word has been like phased out of the lexicon. Yeah. When really it's just like a girl that likes sports. That is really has nothing to do with like gender or sexuality. Yeah. But they're basically, they basically don't like that they're tomboys essentially. Right. Right. So Carson, her story, husband at war, similar to Dottie Henson, but we learned that the husband's actually coming back 
And that's and then she left and that's why she left. And that was kind of like a big. Well, this is like the inciting incident. Yeah. To kick off the narrative. And she is writing a letter to him and writes, uh, there's something wrong with me and you deserve better. And that really shook me personally because years ago I found um, an old diary of mine from when I was a teenager and I was realizing that I was gay and I literally wrote, there's something wrong with me. So to see, I was, I was like shook when I saw that (laughs) and I'm like, like, does this character like realize that like, is she that self-aware about her sexuality and that's, or, or is she like still kind of figuring out and being like, there must be something wrong with me. I'm running away from my Mm -hmm. husband and my life to play baseball. Right. It's probably the latter. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I want to talk about that. I mean, I don't know if we're there yet and please, it's not so much about character. If you want to hold off on it, let me know. But like, I want to dive into that. The fact that like, we're going to begin getting into some, you know, serious things relating to sexuality, which I'm just not, maybe this would be like what I'm pointing as like the thing that maybe takes me out of it is that this is set in the forties. Right. How common were people really like, I don't know, like really struggling with their sexual, I'm trying to figure out like, okay, are we basically Signing on, we have to like go along with it. it yes, this, it's a period piece, yet they're going to be grappling with things that are 2022 issues. Well, I mean, according to the players who are still alive, they're like all the women were gay or yeah. like you were either gay or you were afraid that somebody was trying to make you gay but like but nobody wow. really talked about it in those terms you know there right. were probably like a lot of euphemisms about it or like a lot of suspicion and not so much as like a thing of like coming out and discovering that this is your identity or something it was probably just a lot more like confusing feelings yeah. and that feeling of being different and you're you probably just think you're different because you really like baseball. And then they're like, well, wait, maybe it's this other thing too. Well, no. And also meeting other girls who also really like baseball. Right. Right. And by the way, I wasn't saying that like gay people didn't exist in the forties. It was more, it was more about, I'm more so thinking about like, I know eventually we're going to be dealing with like non-binary characters and like some characters that may be trans. Like, okay, listen, in the forties, no one is walking around like I, Oh, I'm non-binary. Like we have to get real. That terminology. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see like, I, I, and I think they're gonna, and I would hope that they're going to be true to what the, what the language around that was and how people would deal with the those feelings that now we have words and context for but back then there there wasn't so and, and there wasn't conversation around it so how how do you show this happening when there really wasn't like that well there weren't like a, there weren't actual conversations it was all right. like sort of subtext and whatever and secrets and things you just did and never talked about Question for you. Okay. It's not about the sexuality thing. Yeah. How how do you like the fact, or how did you, you it land on you, the fact that, again, we're set in like 43. Yeah. But they're, they are speaking 
in 2022 language. They're uh, like, like being like, like, like at you of Abby, like, oh yeah, like this wall, like nobody would be making that, those types right, of jokes. Right, right, right. Like they're speaking in a certain cadence and vernacular that is very like of today. For sure. Does it work for you or like, did you, it's a choice that they made. Yes. It works for me. It I works like it for too. Me. Yeah. I think it's fun because I think that it gives a lot more opportunity for comedy that resonates today. Totally. Uh, and it brings the audience in more. We'll be able, the audience will, I think, be able to connect to it more. Yeah. And plus there's like a tendency for anything that's um, queer and focused around women. If it's a period piece for it to feel very like stale mm -hmm. and old. And by making this choice, you get out of that. Right. So this still feels fresh. I don't feel like I'm watching like something old timey. Like it does feel very like of the time, even though it's obviously a period piece. What's that line in Carol? There, there, there's there are a few funny lines that are just like so antiquated in Carol that I definitely like reference with friends, but I can't pull one out of my head. I mean, I think just the fact that her husband is named Harge. Is <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, and, and Rindy is the, the daughter, Rindy. the names alone are, um, yeah. Okay. The next two big characters we meet are Greta and Joe. Greta played by Darcy Carden and Joe is played by Melanie Field. I loved, lo this was one of my favorite scenes from the pilot is the introduction to Greta and Joe, because to me, it did capture the essence of Doris and May from the movie. And I'm like, if they were going to keep a dynamic, this is the one to keep. It's so funny. Even the whole thing where it's like one of them says something and the other was like, yeah, and just repeats it, mm -hmm. you know? Exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. It's a very it Rosie Madonna vibe. You got the yeah. butch, you got the femme. Yeah. Um, the whole exchange when they're walking up the streets, like when um, she takes Joe takes Carson's suitcase and is like, why is this so heavy? And she's like, oh, I couldn't decide on which book to bring Cyber on And she's like, we're not trying out for librarian. <laughs> like, just, it's such a dumb joke, but like the delivery is perfect. And then when uh, she's like, I've lived all over the place. Paris that's in France have you heard of it <laughs> just like the delivery of those lines like the whole thing the bustling of Chicago while that's happening them trying to move through the the streets the fact that the actor she dated was one of the people from the lollipop guild and then she makes a point of saying it's the one who hands the lollipop to <laughs> I'm just like this I'm such a nerd for like a well-written scene and the pacing and the directing of it and like as an introduction to those characters and that bond they form and going from like adversaries at the start of like, oh, that's the competition to like, OK, now we have a trio yep. and they're going to be like ride or die for this series. Yeah. So I, I love that as well. Yeah. yeah. Couldn't have said it better. Yeah. And then they walk into uh, Bakersfield, I guess we're calling it. And to me, this is like Jurassic Park when they see the dinosaurs <laughs> for the first time. Like that's. That's the vibe it was giving me. Like, had it been the same, just like all these women playing baseball. It, it's just the yeah. most beautiful thing to me. That it, it's like a miracle. 
I thought like the baseball sequences. Um, yeah. Definitely. I mean, in fact, were the, are they not using some of the same score? Or at least maybe some of that music is, what do they call that? Royalty free or mm. some, because for sure I recognized some of that music. I was like, oh my God, this is the league of their own music like the baseball sequences yeah interesting i don't know i know like for some of the baseball sequences it's a great introduction to some of the um sub characters we see right off the bat i clock roberta calendra's obsessed I-, I was obsessed with her when i saw her in fun home yes uh fun home i met her at the premiere of season two of the show vita on stars oh yeah roberta calendra's has such like big dyke energy that I wasn't mm-hmm. expecting her to be five two. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. I met her. I was like, all right, mm-hmm. all right. We got a short King here. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> but she's great. She's yeah. like, ugh, what great casting. Um, I'm excited to around. see what they do with her character. Yeah. It'll be because she's definitely one of the more mask presenting. And they also make sure to include that there were Cuban players in the league. So while there weren't um, black women allowed at the time, they did let in uh, Latina and Cuban players and they have one who doesn't speak much English. Um, so that's great that we're getting that kind of um, representation in that that wasn't in the movie. The, the sequence, they did include somebody doing a split and catching mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the ball. So that's a good callback. Just like throwing their bodies up against the cage. Just yeah, 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 yeah. Great form. Uh, you know, I read that there was a ton of practice. They played ball like that. It felt more like a team than a Where cast. did they film this? Pittsburgh. So the next big duo that we're introduced to at tryouts are Max and Clance. And those are the two black women, but only one of them is trying to play for the team. I was confused about that at first because Clance was like, I'm here for, or we're here for the tryouts. Yes. And I'm like, you're not dressed for it, honey. But <laughs> <laughs> And they did seem more like, I know that we're not dealing with sisters, but they did seem more like sisters than friends for whatever reason. They seem yes. related. Yes. Like that shows the closeness of them, but I got that vibe too. Uh, Clance has a lot of big sister energy, I think. Uh, I love that she's a comic book nerd. I love that she's like a supportive friend that she would ride the train from, I mean, I don't know how far Rockford is from (laughs) Chicago, but it seemed like a long long ride because when they go back, it's already nighttime. So I don't know. Anyway, that she's willing to, to go there. And of course it's like frustrating to watch her get turned down. Um, but it reminded me a lot of kit the same way that one, they're both pitchers. And then two, like in the movie, they don't want kit to play because she's just not as pretty as Dottie. (laughs) Right. Right. Uh, which whatever, I think Lori Petty's hot, but you know, to each their own. Um, let me ask you, so it's clear that we're going to be watching parallel stories. Like she's yes. in a story of her own. Yes. It's not now, it's, I'm not saying it, it doesn't feel like, oh, she's in a different show. Totally not, because there is some crossover. Yeah. This was another choice yeah. that they made. And I think I'm hoping as the show, as the episodes go on, there are more crossover. Like at the very end of this episode, they're both, they're, all of the same bar right right i don't know how much it can sustain if she is off in a world of her own like playing for a different team that's integrated like i know i'm pre i think i know this season 
they're not going to magically have the Rockford Peaches integrate. I feel like that yeah. would be maybe like season two. Yeah. But I'm, I'm actually, I bet it's a choice. I'm gonna get go ahead and take the guess that it's for story purposes. Like something's gonna happen. It's, I feel like something like may happen. That, yeah. Are you thinking yeah. romantically? Maybe because I I, I never okay. would have thought that until the very last scene. I'm like, oh, is that where this is going? Do you what know? You, we, yeah. Okay. I, do you know what made me think maybe that's where it's going? Because in one of the f- first scenes. When Carson is on the train on her way to Chicago, she randomly has a conversation or is it so random because writing is very intentional, um, a conversation about pride and prejudice. And to me, that was foreshadowing when she talks about Mr. Darcy and how they didn't like each other at first, but then it becomes this love story. And that's interesting, too. I famously have not read Pride and Prejudice. Even after the Fire Island movie? Yeah. I mean, if anything should have inspired you. I'm joking, (laughs) obviously. Uh, I should, though, because I, yeah, I'm like, who would be the the Mr. Darcy then? Would it be? I don't think that's what this is. You don't think that's what it is? Okay. No. Okay. I hope hope it's not mapped onto that. I hope it's not mapped onto something I haven't seen. Like, do not make me read Pride and Prejudice. For the sake of recapping this show, How please. How many gay things were they going to map onto Bread and Prejudice? Right? Maybe, I know. <laughs> it's a new trend. Maybe yeah. I missed the memo. Maybe we should be mapping this recap <laughs> podcast on the Pride and Prejudice. I don't know. I like how how much time they're giving to Max and Clance. I'm glad that they both feel like fully, um, you know, flesh out characters and that it's not just like oh, we're doing this to like make up for the fact that this wasn't in the movie or like that this story hasn't been told before. They're like, oh, this story hasn't been told and we're going to do it justice and we're going to give it time and we're going to give it like the characters and the world that and and it's not just going to be two black women in this white world. We're going to see their husbands, their parents, their family, you know, the scenes in the salon and everything. That was something that I really, really liked in the show. Yeah. That they're taking their time with that every single one of these characters, I think, are going to be fully fleshed out yes. in the way that, say, the movie, you have to clock it at a hun- you know, an hour and 45 minutes right? to give it, to turn it into a series that's these are long episodes that they're like 55 minute ish episodes. I feel like it's, it's a slow, they're not rushing through things. Right. That's what I I love about it. Yeah. I'm like, you know, we haven't like, yes, there was that baseball montage, but there hasn't been that much baseball yet, but I'm like, I'm okay with that. And I'm so glad that they focused on character development and really setting the stage with this pilot. I thought the pilot was so, Um, well done. I knew that there was going to be a lot of queerness in it. I was not expecting a kiss between Carson and Greta in episode one. And when they were flirting and like, oh my gosh, Darcy, like just, I was going to say like a high, the highlight for me was the fact that they nailed, they really sold the flirting and the chemistry. Oh yeah. Like yeah. One, hundred percent for sure for sure like it made me feel something which is rare these days (laughs) in a galaxy of of like gen q right right 
No, I know. I am tired of seeing like forced queer stories where there isn't chemistry, but not only, not only is there chemistry, but there's like so many layers already to this. Like, you know, it, it's a little bit, it's barely hinted at in the movie of Rosie kind of being in love with Madonna's character. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't really like dive into it. it it's not heavy. It, it's like you really have to insinuate it and just be like, well, yeah, obviously Rosie is going to be obsessed with Madonna. But in this, they do a great way of be- being like, yeah, Joe's probably is Greta's number one fan and has been in love with her yeah. <laughs> for years. Yeah. And they played that well at the bar. Um, I'm going to ask you some questions that <laughs> okay <laughs> okay so with this podcast there are going to be questions that i'm going to be asking our guests every episode and uh first off there's no crying in baseball but there is in watching this show what was the most emotional scene for you i thought the cutting of the hair it had, Ooh. listen to me, let me walk you through this. Okay. The, I don't know if this is most, it, it did something to me because the symbolism yeah. of like the girl getting her, the gay girl getting the haircut, it was yeah. very Shane giving Jenny Schechter the hair. <gasps> and listen, all roads are going to lead to the L word. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you know me at all, like all roads are going to go there. And this, I was like, holy shit. It's we just Shane. lost half the audience now. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> oh the, yeah so that um yeah it literally i was like oh my i really felt the echoes of that jenny schachter haircut Shane, interesting Shane interesting and also that's like the transformation like i right. i really loved that D- listen did it did i cry obviously but it was something yeah. that like affected me so i've been having an emotional couple of days which is <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Which is uncharacteristic for me. Uh, so a great time to watch this show. I cried, I think, four times. and <laughs> But I would say the first time I, I teared up. I didn't cry. But when they walk um, onto the field for the first time and the three of them and you see all the women. Mm-hmm. And I'm tearing up just thinking about it. To me, that was like such a beautiful, emotional, powerful shot. Um that it made me very emotional. Then when they told Max, um, oh, that she's so not, rudely yeah. that mm-hmm. you know, like this is the American League. Do you look like these other girl? And like her frustration and just like knowing, like how unfair life is to yeah. to this person at, at that time, um, and many people like her uh, was, and she plays it so well. And then also, <laughs> I cried when Clance shows Max the drawing that she made of her on the train. It was, was just such a, was cute. a cute, beautiful friendship moment that really shows, like, she captured her so well. And they're sitting talking. You don't realize that that's what she's doing. I Oh, my gosh. Yeah, this show is getting me in the feels. And then also, after the kiss happens... Oh, that really did something to me. No, this, yeah. well, not after the kiss happens. It's when the other thing. When Greta's where, leaving. When, when really hit me, when she's running, where she's, when she's leaving with that guy. To show him the sights. Yeah. That was very effective. Yeah. Yeah. Like you felt Abby Jacobson's, the disappointment. 
Well, I mean, as two lesbian women here. Yeah, we've all been there. We've all been there. We've yeah. all been there where somebody has kissed you and you're like, oh, my God, like, this is changing my world. And then you see them with a guy and you're like, wait, what? Was that? Well, it's just what like, was that? well, it's just the universal feeling of rejection. Right, right. And and to happen like so quickly and and to have it be like such a big moment for you and then to seem like maybe oh, I also it wasn't a big moment for the other person. She goes, I thought so. Yeah. <gasps> you know, I will yeah. say also for, for the kiss, I've been wanting to do this for a while, but I simply do not have the time because it would be so many scenes. So many lesbian first kisses happen against a wall. <laughs> It yes. is such a trope. I'm every time I see it, I'm like, oh, another one, another wall. Just had a what had to do Max it. Max doing back there? Like, where did they go? Where were they? I think Max needed to cool off in the storage room after. Uh, yeah, or maybe like she just had like, a, that's a lay question. low. Or like, something. why was Max like back Lurking? there? Yeah, like what was yeah. she really doing? I don't know. Yeah, unanswered. I mean. They just had needed her there for a plot device. But like I did like that, though. I did like that Max was there. I was like because I wasn't expecting that to happen. Yeah. That, that's another thing I, I loved about this pilot was that it was unexpected. OK, next question. Enough about me crying. <laughs> Who was the MVP of this episode? Darcy Carden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was my gut feeling was definitely because, well, she drives so much of the the development and where the the pilot goes and is kind yeah. of you know she's the one uh she cuts the hair she gets carson to write the, the letter. letter to her husband yeah. uh she gets them all out to the bar she initiates the kiss so like character wise yes i do have to say though clance for me i like i'm like man mm. that like really as a supporting character did so much like her her lines her timing her delivery mm -hmm. did so much for being you know maybe i don't know the sixth or seventh most dialogue on the show yeah so i think that i'm i'm excited for more i thought you were gonna there. say six or seven on the call sheet <laughs> on the call sheet <laughs> um were there any any strikes for you any just, misses? I would say just the things that I brought up earlier, and there are more so questions. Yeah. No, no, nothing was like, oh, I don't believe that. I believed it all. It's more yeah. like story choices. Like, am I going to enjoy seeing Max in like a separate storyline or a parallel storyline? It's more right. so the way they're building the world and structuring yeah. the episodes. But that's because we've only seen the one. I need. It's like, ask me once I've seen all eight episodes. Okay. Um, there were no strikes. No, the, I, this I like. I said this really exceeded my expectations, of which I had zero. Yeah, going in. So I, this was like the highlight of my day. Yes, I mean, so I, I really, I'm being nitpicky, trying to find a strike for me. There, there was a little bit of a miss because I think it was such a powerful scene in the movie is when they post the teams and you, you only felt like, see, you felt like it could have been over dramatized. Like um, I, I think they missed an opportunity because you have one person who doesn't make it. And she's like, I, um, 
I can't go back home or something like that. And I'm like, they had a little bit of an opportunity to really have us invest a little bit or really root for somebody who doesn't make it. Right. To be like a little bit. They skated right by that. Right. And that's like such, just like in sports and making the team and like knowing what the stakes are. These women are coming from like, all over and they're coming from Canada and across the country and whatever to try to play in this league and then to get cut has to be it's a dream dash and I wish we could have seen I wish we could have seen some woman have her dreams crushed yeah um, no I totally agree yeah just it would have le- just I like cried raised, one more the, time. raised the stakes a little bit more right just because yeah. also like in the movie they have like one of my favorite moments in the movie is when uh, I forget the character's name who can't read and she's looking for her name on the list and she can't. And to me, that was like always one of the most powerful scenes of the original League of Their Own. And like, that's one where if they like replicated that callback or had like a moment like that, that's they one of my favorite scenes. She's like, what's your, what's your name? Yeah. And she, I and don't she's like, you're with the, us. That, yeah. that other character's name, but she's yeah. so sweet. That actress. Yes. Whoever p- plays that character, this is such a minor part of the movie, but anyway, yeah. so I won't dwell, but yeah. Yeah. That was the one miss for me, but you know, um, maybe, maybe next season at tryouts, <laughs> they can take this feedback. What was, what was the home run for you of the show? Okay. Well, I would say generally, like generally speaking, I think like the chemistry and the flirting between Abby Jacobson and Darcy Carden, like I yeah. didn't expect, I just like didn't expect it. Like yeah. when I, the first 10 minutes that just not where I thought the story was going. Right. My specific highlight of all of that wasn't the kiss because it's all about the lead up anyway. Right. The when they're at the bar and I think she's I think they're drinking martinis. I don't I don't remember. And Darcy Carden puts her finger in the martini glass. Yep. And listen, this is another L word callback because I'm sorry that this is the way my brain thinks. I can't apologize for my, I'm sorry that for the way I am. It totally reminds, do you remember that episode when Bet goes to Washington and she meets the senator played by Dana Delaney? No. Are you serious? You don't remember? It was a season three episode. Okay. And Tina's like at home, like fucking that dude. Or that oh, it, hasn't right, gotten, right. it hasn't gotten there yet. Okay. And poor Jennifer Beals is pregnant. So like she's wearing a suit. Right. But they had so much chemistry. Okay. Nothing happens between them. Okay. You don't, you seriously don't remember. I pray the listeners know what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay. Okay. So <laughs> she goes back to her hotel room. Bet goes back to the senator's hotel room, played by Dana Delaney. And she's drinking like scotch or something. Yeah. And Jennifer Beals is like running her finger like around the glass. The room, and okay. then Dana Delaney like puts her finger like in it and sticks her finger into Beth's mouth. And I was like, oh, this is just like that scene. Oh, These are wow. questions. Listen, hopefully, okay. hopefully you'll hook me up with, I will get hooked up with a Jamie Babbitt yes. interview. <laughs> Yes, because um, I adore her. I mean, we should have spent a little bit of time on on Jamie Babbitt, but I wonder. I'm sure there's actually no connection to the L word, but these were just. I'm sorry. I these are the facts. Right, right. You know, I'm gonna, I if mean, I play you that scene. You can't tell me it's not evoking the same 
feel. I mean, you don't have to ask me twice to revisit a Bet Porter scene, <laughs> a steamy Bet Porter scene, especially one that I forgot because I mean, anything. From it's so fucking that hot, and they so don't hard. even kiss. Yeah. Um. I mean, yeah. I the the flirting was spot on for me. I mean, the whole thing to me was a a home run. I loved how much I laughed and how much I cried. Like I love, I love something that makes me do both. I do. I do. And uh, I mean, I, I do comedy. I, I don't know. I was pleased with how many jokes were in the script and how much it made me laugh. That's just like a me personal thing. But, but I think every, like the casting, the pace of it, uh, the direction, the cinematography, everything to they me told is a home run. so much story yeah. in this it was a perfectly set up pilot episode. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's all right there. Like the fact that they already kissed. So that me leads me to believe that that's not, that they're not going to have a relationship. Yeah. Because you can't start with that. You're starting wherever right. you are. Listen, the laws of television, wherever you are in the first episode, you wind up in the finale in the exact opposite place. Right. Right. So I'm just very, yeah. And just at the end, she goes, oh, that was a great throw. She goes, I know. Yeah. Like, it makes me think, oh, is that where this is going? Maybe, maybe. We're going to, I mean, listen, we're going to binge it this weekend. For sure. So. I know. I'm actually, like, you know, usually I'd be really excited to do Lilith Fair karaoke. Um, but I you kind of. You wish we of, were just staying home tonight. I just wish that, yeah, you were staying here and oh. that we would binge it together and, like, pause it a billion times. <laughs> to talk about every scene so okay extra innings uh anything else that you want to talk about i have one thing that i want to bring up that um i thought about while watching this and then made a very fun connection this show and it was actually the kiss that really reminded me of it and brought it back reminded me a little bit of a canadian show from 2012, 2013, Bomb Girls. Did you watch Bomb Girls? I vaguely remember this. So it's about the women who worked in the bomb factories in Canada. It's a Canadian show during the war um, because the men were away at war and women had to take the jobs. And there is a storyline of one of the workers and one of like the soldier, uh, a female soldier comes through and kind of like kisses her for the first time and makes her realize that like kind of what she's known all along, but like Mm -hmm. didn't know the fun thing about it is the, the star of bomb girls is none other than Jodie Balfour, who is (gasps) Abby Jacobson's fiance. Oh my God. Yes. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? Cause I was like, this is giving me bomb girls vibes. And then I'm like, wait, that's, that's what Jody Balfour like. That was her big like break. I, I I honestly don't know much about Jody's career, but like she did. So I don't know. I I find that that's, that's very interesting. interesting that yes. now both Abby and <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm I'm remembering the scene now in the show where uh, when. Greta and Joe walk into Carson's room and Carson's like journaling and writing the letter to her husband. And it's such a funny scene where they're just kind of like being goofy and silly about interrupting her. And in a very Abby Jacobson way, she was like, Oh, I I was just um, writing about the war. Uh, It's important to reflect, you know, it's, I'm not 
writing good things. It, it's a bad one. And they're like, yeah, yeah, it's a bad one. <laughs> I was like, what a funny way to talk about oh World War II. I was dying. Like stuff like that. I'm like this writing. I'm obsessed with it. Like so good. It was also another thing worth mentioning um, that it was written by uh, Abby Jacobson and Will Graham. And Will, I didn't know much about. I had a Wikipedia him in 2019, got a first look deal with Prime Video, but he was the executive producer of Mozart in the Jungle, which I never watched, and is a Peabody Award winner for the Onion News Network. So he has definitely some comedy and drama chops behind him. I'm interested in learning more about how they got teamed up. Can we talk about Jamie Babbitt? Like, yeah. who directed this? Yes. I mean, just, just calling out the fact that, I mean, just queer filmmaker from the jump, but I'm a cheerleader. She, Icon. She directed several episodes of The L Word, directed yes. a bunch of episodes of Russian Doll, directed a bunch of episodes, and she's an EP of uh, The Murders in the Building show. Yep. She's done so much. Yeah. An insane career. Yeah. I was so excited when I, I also to, kind of have a, I've like kind of always had a crush on her. Okay, let me tell you. When I interviewed her for Diking Out, she was in satin pajamas. Wait, you did it in person? No, it was over Zoom. It was during the pandemic. You could see that she was wearing satin pajamas. Yes, she was wearing. She was like 100% wearing like satin pajamas. If I'm, re- I'm pretty sure She's I'm remembering. She's my type. If you ever, if you're okay. ever like, what's your type? That's, That's my it. type. Okay. Yeah. It was like pinstripe. If I'm remembering this correctly, set in pajamas. I, I have the video somewhere. I'll find it and I'll show you because I have this Zoom like recording. Yeah. And she is just like, she oozes cool. She's just like effortlessly so cool. And when she said that she was going to be directing some episodes of this, I don't know mm-hmm. if she's the director on all the episodes or just some of them, but I was so excited. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I, yeah, I'm a big Jamie Babbitt fan. So, um, it's, it's great to see how much queer involvement there is. Um, any final thoughts? That's it, babe. All right. Well, that's episode (laughs) one of a league of their own. And I hope you like this. Leave comments. We'd love to hear your thoughts, your opinions. Let us know. No, my number one question for the listeners are, do you agree with me that the haircutting scene did evoke a Shane Jenny Schechter moment? And do you agree that the finger in the martini glass was a Bette Porter, Dana Delaney moment from season three? Okay. And I want to know if I'm the only person because I can't be the only one that thought of that. All right. Let Jess know about that. And then let me know the plot of Pride and Prejudice so I don't have to read it. Um, Jess, where can people find you on social media? Where can they listen to your podcast, which is one of my favorites? Oh, that's so sweet. Yes. So you can find me, JessXNYC. Um, definitely come say hi. or Come say hi. DM me say hi. Don't come to my house. If, if you if you look like Jamie Babbitt, please slide <laughs> please into please Jess's DMs. come say hi. Uh, and my podcast is Hot Takes and Deep Dives and it's pretty much like queer pop culture, queer pop iconography, New York City culture, dabble in the housewives. We got it all. Yes. Need yes. a little Leah McSweeney in your life. I got that. You want Rosie? I got that. Oh, little such... Madonna obsession. It's in there too. Yes. So many reasons to follow Jess and listen to her podcast. 
If you want to follow me, you can find me on social media at TGI Carolyn. And make sure you follow League of Their Own Recap Pod on Instagram. I'll be there and posting updates. Also, please, only if you enjoyed this episode, go give it a five-star review on Apple Podcasts that will help other people find it. And if you're so inclined, why not even listen to the Diking Out podcast? Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you back here for episode two. You reach your destination, but alas, and alack, you need some compensation to get back in the black. Take a morning paper from the top of the stack And read the situation from the front to the back The only job that's open needs a man with a knack So put it right back in the rack Jack, choo-choo, choo-choo-chiboogie Woo-woo, woo-woo-chiboogie Choo-choo, choo-choo-chiboogie Take me right